You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This is Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O, the leader in pet news and information. And now, here are the top stories. The 2009 edition of the world's premier dog show known as Crufts has been showered with controversy after charges of inbreeding. In London, Zoo2 reporter Jennifer Glass says the firestorm has already cost the show plenty. Practicing for the world's largest dog show, Crufts, 28,000 dogs, 10 times as big as the Westminster Dog Show in New York. Passionate owners, many hoping for a coveted rosette. But there's a controversy. A BBC documentary last summer about animals suffering because of ambitious breeders. This dog has syringomyelia, an inherited condition that means the skull is too small for the brain. Jemima Harrison, documentary writer, director, and editor. Two years' research turned up terrible problems in pedigree dogs. Problems like heart disease and epilepsy. And in an effort to win more prizes, dogs had... Exaggerated features that had been bred into them by breeders and or a very high level of inherited disease caused by inbreeding. She says breathing difficulties, skin and joint problems, and inability to mate or give birth naturally are all side effects of breeders putting beauty ahead of health. The documentary caused an uproar. The RSPCA and other major dog charities boycotted the show, and the main sponsor, Pedigree, pulled out. The BBC decided not to broadcast Crufts for the first time in 40 years. Instead, it's on the Internet. The Kennel Club, which runs Crufts, disputes the findings. I think our, our feeling of unfairness is partly due to the fact that we had already recognized those things. It's made changes in breed standards and beefed up judging criteria, including a paragraph that says health should come first. The Kennel Club is so sensitive about its reputation now, it won't let camera crews film the show unless they're with a club representative. They didn't have one available on the day we were there. We were only allowed in for the interview. We do need to make sure the right messages go out. I mean, it would be daft if we didn't. Caroline Kisco said she was worried we'd be harassed by breeders unhappy about the documentary. She says this year's show is as crowded as ever. Cross attracts dogs from all over the world, like Favorite here, who came 3,500 miles from Russia by car. Breeders we talked to outside the event said they thought the documentary was one-sided. Yes, very, very much so. They didn't give the breeders' point of view and the kennel club's point of view. They only gave what they wanted to perceive and show people. There are breeds that have got problems, we know. But it takes time. The Kennel Club thinks if it makes too many changes too quickly, breeders might not register, a problem the American Kennel Club had nearly a decade ago. Documentary maker Harrison said she saw at this year's Crufts the same genetic deformity she investigated for the documentary, and some animals were prize winners. It's about self-worth. What they're doing is they're living, getting their own self-regard through the wins that these dogs achieve for them. Critics say these pictures were meant simply to upset, that they're the extreme. No matter the extent of the problems, they've spurred changes for Britain's most revered dog institution and sparked controversy and division at its flagship show. For Zoo2 Pet News, I'm Jennifer Glass at Crufts in Central England. And best in show at Crufts went to Hidalgo, a Sealyham Terrier. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com, and we always invite your own story ideas as well. Just email us. So where does a jaguar go when it's captured? 
well, would you believe, to the dentist? At least in the case of one big cat named Lucero, found near the Arizona-Mexico border. Sue to reporter Rich Dubeck with a jag who had to open up and say, ah. Animal experts say he's about four years old and weighs 125 pounds. But this jaguar's light coat indicates he's not from the jungle. He's from the high desert of southern Arizona. I did not know that. I did not know that. I think he's awesome. He's a wonderful looking animal. When we think of big cats, we, we do automatically think of faraway places. And it's nice to think of having them in our own backyards, really. Lucero was captured by a farmer on the Mexican side of the Arizona border. That farmer told authorities that the cat had been preying on his livestock, so he put the animal in a cage. When he tried to chew his way out, he broke off a bunch of his teeth. Lucero was then transferred to Phoenix for help. Veterinary dental specialist Dr. Chris Visser, along with his son, human dentist Louis Visser, volunteered their time to try to fix the life-threatening damage. We've done uh, four root canals on him and removed several of his lower incisors. Root canals were uh, a six-hour procedure followed by another four-hour procedure. Lucero recovered nicely. After the surgery, he actually got a lot more rambunctious, a lot more aggressive with uh, keeper staff, which sounds a little bad, but for a jaguar, it's good. We know that he was feeling better and, and feeling a lot healthier. Arizona jaguars like Lucero are rare. It is estimated that only 70 to 100 cats roam northern Mexico. And since 1971, only six have been tracked in the U.S. For the past several years, Arizona Game and Fish surveillance cameras in southern Arizona have tracked an older jaguar nicknamed Macho B. That cat was recently captured and euthanized because of failing kidneys, a common condition for older jaguars. As a result of uh, the way it all played out, we can actually learn a lot more from him and hopefully help other jaguars out in the wild. Lucero continues to draw big crowds at the Phoenix Zoo. He's a very easy cat to work around. He's been an absolute pleasure to, to have here, which, uh, which is nice given his background and his situation. He's, he's a great cat. Lucero will remain here at the Phoenix Zoo for about the next year, continuing to rehab. At that point, he'll be shipped back to Mexico, where he'll spend the rest of his years in a Mexican zoo. In Phoenix, I'm Rich Dubeck for Zoo2.com. Now, before Lucero leaves the Phoenix Zoo, officials there hope to breed him with a female jack. So he better make sure he flosses first. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com, and we always invite your own story ideas as well. Just email us. You may remember the TV show Pee-wee's Playhouse. Well, this is the story of Pee-wee's Firehouse. You see, Pee-wee is a pig who spends his days side by side with firefighters. In Georgia now, Zoo2 reporter Lee Gordon has more. It's just before 7 o'clock in the morning at the Tybee Island Fire Station. The crew is ready for the day. Well, almost everyone is. Meet Pee-wee. He's not your average Dalmatian. In fact, he's not a Dalmatian at all. He's a pig, and he's become the official mascot of the Tybee Island Fire Department. I brought him to the firehouse to uh, show the guys, and the guys tended to uh, like him, so they uh, told me to keep bringing him to the firehouse so they could play with him. Pee-wee belongs to first responder Frank Potassin. It was his idea to introduce the pig to his fellow firemen. The fact that nobody else has a pig, and I saw one in a movie, so I thought, hey, we'll try it out. Um, turns out they're one of the smartest animals there, is well-behaved, easy to train. After a while, the idea caught on, and Pee-wee became an unofficial member of the fire department. Pee-wee's uh, he's, he's fun to work with. Um, 
He's been here for a short time, but he's made great strides. Pee-wee doesn't fight fires, but every now and then he'll take a ride in the fire truck. Shotgun, of course. The 12-pound pig is around for moral support. And in the heat of the battle, sometimes, that's all these guys need. Pee-wee's moody. Always in a uh, kind of playful mood, joking. Um, he will get into trouble every now and then. So he's your typical firefighter, so he's perfect to bring around the firehouse. A typical day for Pee-wee involves him following around the crew, running with reckless abandon around the fire station, and entertaining the firefighters. He's also become quite a tourist attraction in this coastal Georgia town. At first, Pee-wee's a little apprehensive to all people. Just ask Jennifer Deegan. She's visiting from New Jersey and stopped by the fire station to see what the fuss is all about. I was surprised when the people in town told me that they have a pet pig as their, their mascot. <laughs> Many kids say they dream of fighting fires and saving lives, but not many kids grew up dreaming of working with a pig. But after spending time with Pee-wee, it's clear that he's truly a part of the team, and the guys wouldn't trade him for anything. Pee-wee's not your typical Dalmatian, um, but we're very happy with him instead of a dog. He's uh, a little easier to train, a little easier to clean up after, and definitely cheaper to feed. And feeding Pee-wee is just as important as feeding the guys, because when Pee-wee's happy, everyone's happy. I'm Lee Gordon in Tybee Island, Georgia. For Zutu Pet News. And Pee Wee will continue to live the good life at the Tybee Island Fire Station. And the firefighters say they know, like any firefighter, he's there for them no matter what. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zutu.com. And we always encourage your own story ideas, too. Just email us. We'll be back with more pet news right after this commercial break. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. 
Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pet's ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're listening to Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O. Now, more of this week's pet news stories. After seeing news stories about dogs rescued from deplorable puppy mill conditions, people often snap up the strays from shelters. But is their adoption addressing the larger issue? In Florida now, Zoo2 reporter John McQuiston looks for answers. I wonder if this is his first time touching grass. Laura Murphy's new poodle is three years old. He's never had a name. And most likely this is the first time he has ever seen grass. These guys don't know humans. They have no clue. These guys are some of the dogs rescued from a North Carolina puppy mill, then brought to the SPCA of Tampa Bay in Florida. Some of these are purebred poodles. Like Christmas shoppers on Black Friday, people crowd into the SPCA, where the line of cars leads to a line of feet all waiting for the chance to adopt 10 dogs available when the shelter opened this day at 11 a.m. I got here at around 9 o'clock. About 7.15. Quarter after 7. It rarely fails that publicity about rescued puppy mill dogs draws lines of people. Puppy mill dogs. We want to see them. Because of all the their history, the cruelty that they've been through. What's the benefit of coming here and get these dogs? Because they're cheaper. A $150 adoption fee instead of thousands paid to a breeder, like the one who bred these. But there are costs. Some of these pets are going to have some extreme medical bills in the future because not all of them came to us perfectly healthy. That's just part of it, as Connie Brooks knows from experience. All they did was breathe. The SPCA's operations director adopted a long-haired chihuahua rescued from a puppy mill two years ago. This dog went through what these dogs face. They've never been housebroken, never been in a house. One's not mistreated before they got here, often had not been treated at all. These pets may have never been out of a cage in their lifetime. Laura Murphy has just met her new pet. She says she wasn't looking for a purebred, as long as the dog will stay small. She likes you. Nancy Simmons says the same thing about the dog she has named Prince. Teaching the dog his name may be the least of her challenges. The fact that these dogs are used to going to the bathroom in the crate instead of outside of the crate. I'm not sure exactly how to teach him not to go to the bathroom in there. Because that's all they've known. The SPCA counsels people to warn them what they're in for. The rescue does not end by taking the dog home. It grabs at their heartstrings. They want to do the right thing. They have great intentions and, and they want to get that little pet and they show up here. With consequences, perhaps including someone seeing the line of people waiting for a dog and being inspired to breed more of them. You're going to be just fine. Leading to a dog who lives three years of its life before ever setting foot on grass. For Zoo2 News, this is John McQuiston. Now, Connie Brooks of the Tampa Bay SPCA says if there were no demand for purebreds or so-called designer breeds, there would be no puppy mills to supply them. 
And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, we invite you to the news section of Zootoo.com. And we always encourage your own story ideas to just email us. She's like a real-life Dr. Doolittle, a doctor who's devoted her life to better understanding animals, if not talking to them, and all in spite of her having what some consider an affliction. In Colorado, Zoot 2 reporter John Parker has more. Cattle notice little things that we don't notice, and I was one of the very first people to discover this. Growing up in the city of Boston, it wasn't until she was 15 years old that Temple Grandin got this close to a farm animal. And what she saw and experienced on her aunt's farm led her to her life's work. Animals feel pain. Animals feel fear. And we want to give animals, or all our farm animals, a decent life. What's really important for every animal, whether it be a farm animal or whether it be a dog or a cat, is to have a decent life. How humans treat animals that many of us consider a food source has been the focus of much of Grandin's research. Freeze branding hurts a lot less than typical branding. And the 61-year-old approaches her work on a much different level than any of her colleagues. But I could see the beef cattle really could be raised right and with a really good life. Grandin is autistic, and the brain development disorder has made her a special kind of interpreter between the animal and human worlds. Well, as a person with autism, I think in pictures. I don't think in language. To understand animals, you've got to get away from language. Animals are sensory-based thinkers. The information in their brains is stored as smell sensations, pictures, little sounds. Early in her career, she became known as an innovator. What you don't this is really bad. It's like, it's like that. Not satisfied with the usual explanations about animal behavior, she wanted to experience situations from the level of those she was trying to help. One of the first things I did back in the 70s, and people thought it was really crazy, was to get down in the chutes and see what cattle were seeing. Her discoveries led to the development of curved pens, like these at Colorado State University, where she's a professor. The pins have been found to be a solution for fear and stress when something out of the ordinary is going on. As the cattle come on around the bend, they think they're going back to where they came from. Also, as they enter the chute, they don't see the people and all the other commotion down at the other end of the chute. Grandin has also seen needless fear and stress in those animals we consider part of the family. Man's best friend, who because of an owner's work schedule, often spends a great deal of time alone. I get very concerned about a lot of the dogs that are just home alone all day. Dogs don't handle being home alone all day very well. Some will handle it better than others. There's differences, individual differences. But some are miserable, you know, chewing up the door, chewing up their feet and things like that. The solution, according to Grandin, is to make sure dogs get socialized. Dog owners should ask friends to babysit if possible and, after work, take advantage of the local dog park. Canines, she says, need a doggy social life in order to be truly fulfilled and happy. And one of the ways you can tell your dog's really happy is when the mouth just goes into a relaxed kind of smile position. Relaxed, tongue a little bit extended, not panting hot. That's a happy, happy dog. And Grandin says it's up to humans to do what we can to ensure that the animals in our world live better lives. We've got to give animals a decent quality of life. Because Grandin believes that it's animals that make us human. For Zutu Pet News, I'm John Parker in Fort Collins, Colorado. Dr. Grandin is a consultant on animal treatment for companies like McDonald's and the federal government, both in the wild and in industrial settings. And she's written several animal behavior books. The latest, 
animals make us human. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, we invite you to the news section of Zootoo.com, and we always invite your own story ideas as well. Just email us. Well, he runs, jumps, and plays just like any other puppy, except this dog has no front legs. In Orlando, Zoot2 reporter Chris O'Donnell introduces us to a special pooch who makes up in heart what he's lacking in limbs. Whether he's inside in his pen, outside playing with his toys, or wrestling with his sister Noelle, two-month-old Hope is a happy, healthy puppy. He also seems completely unaware of the fact that he was only born with two back legs. All of a sudden, it came to our realization, like, oh my goodness. And we kept looking, this one doesn't have any legs. Hope and his eight siblings, seen here, were found on the side of an Orlando highway and brought to pet rescue by Judy. They were just two or three days old and had to be nursed around the clock. It's a commitment many other shelters may not have had the time or money for, and Hope might have been put down. We never thought about it. Never. Never, never. Judy Walker is Hope's foster mom. This is one wonderful dog. He has a great disposition. He's uh, mellow. He's patient. He's loving. Walker also cares for Hope's sister, Noelle, and says he can do everything she does just a little bit differently. You don't tell anybody who's handicapped, no, you can never do that. It's just like you have to do it a different way, but you can do it. But no one's sure yet how Hope will ultimately get around. Veterinary orthopedic surgeon Dr. Cheryl Tano works with affiliated veterinary specialists in Maitland, Florida. She watched video of Hope and says his mobility on his rear legs alone is remarkable, but she says that may not be the best option. In a cart or a wheelchair, you know, he will be more in a quadruped position, and so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that would be better biomechanically for him than being a biped. But there are also exciting new breakthroughs in prosthetics. Probably the most innovative is where they're actually implanting little posts into the bone that then will get bony ingrowth and then you can attach a prosthetic limb to that. Hope needs to be full grown before he can be fitted with a wheelchair or prosthetics, so he still has a long way to go. But whatever the outcome, Hope's caregivers say his future will be bright. We're going to need some, you know, additional help and, and guidance and advice, but the dog is going to get whatever the dog needs. He's going to have a good life. He's going to have a good home. We're going to make sure of that. And there's somebody out there for him. Reporting in Orlando, Chris O'Donnell, Zutu Pet News. Now the shelter says Hope will remain with Judy Walker until the right home can be found for him. For more information, visit PetRescueByJudy.com. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, we invite you to the news section of Zutu.com. And we always invite your own story ideas too. Just email us. You've been listening to Pet Pulse News from Zootoo.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O, the leader in pet news and information. Heard each week on PetLifeRadio.com.